This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Now it's time to hear from Mayor John Tory. He's been in an executive committee meeting going over some of the issues that have been top of mind for the last few weeks. The committee is voting on how to distribute uh, that additional $22 million in funding for road safety initiatives that were approved last month. And of course, that's part of Vision Zero, the plan we are all hoping will cut pedestrian and cyclist deaths on our roads, but so far has not led to any improvement. Mayor Tory, welcome. Thanks for being with us. A pleasure, Libby. Okay, so what are you going to do with that money? Well, it's going to be spent on, uh, you know, a whole variety of things ranging from the redesign of some intersections where if you make it, uh, you know, necessary for vehicles, frankly, to turn more safely, you enhance the safety of pedestrians and cyclists through to, I think people are hopefully noticing among your listeners, the uh, increasing presence of those signs that tell you how fast you're going, like they electronically read out your speed, and those have been proven to be effective. Uh, We're putting more of those signs right in the middle of the road that remind people uh, that you've got to watch your speed. Uh, we're repainting with the, what they call the zebra striping, which is the very prominent uh, painting of crosswalks and other kinds of things so as to draw attention of drivers to those uh, those sorts of things. So it's a whole host of measures, and they're spelled out very specifically in the report. And I hope what will encourage people, Libby, is this. The report actually spells out intersection by intersection, you know, where they're doing this work. It's not some vague thing saying, well, we're going to hopefully do, you know, 12 more intersections. The work is actually spelled out, and I get a weekly report on exactly where the activity is happening, which intersections are being done. For example, we're installing a lot more of those uh, pedestrian-friendly signals that actually give priority to pedestrians trying to get across the street, and especially if people need a bit more time. Um, And so uh, these are all things that are being done. It's money that I think is very well spent. It really is just an acceleration of things that were going to be done anyway, but we found the capacity inside the city to do more faster so that we could have more intersections, more senior zones that that involve speed limit reductions and this kind of thing uh, to get the project done faster. Can you give us an idea of some of the uh, intersections that are a priority? Where are we going to see these things? Well, they're not intersections necessarily that people, I I don't have the list right in front of me, but I mean, I had it yesterday in front of me. In fact, let me just see here on my desk whether it's, no, it's not here. But um, I had uh, uh, the list in front of me and they're not intersections that are sort of like young and bluer where, you know, it's it's actually intersections in neighborhoods that are uh, across the city, because don't forget this is a project that we're doing across the city, and we base it in part uh, on the information that comes from the, well, they've uh, called it up here, so for example, I can tell you that we're doing school safety zones ranging all the way from North Bridlewood, which is in Scarborough, uh, through to, uh, you know, Churchill Heights,
Heights Public School. Also, the signage installation at Lawrence and Markham Road, Danforth Avenue, uh, 1860 Lawrence Avenue. Uh, then we're doing, uh, uh, the week of July 16th, we're doing uh, Clinton Street and St. Clair Avenue West for, for senior safety zones. Uh, cycling corridor enhancements on St. Phillips, which is out near Weston Road. Uh, you know, so mobile watch your speed program is being uh, put into all different wards. So this is the kind of thing where it's really across the city. And I would be very surprised if your listeners haven't noticed one of those mobile speed signs or one of the zebra striping on the roads or one of the intersection enhancements that we're doing uh, because we're doing them all over the city. And that's how we can responsibly invest as much money as we are. What about enforcement? I mean, I keep seeing more and more people being frustrated, obviously, and both drivers and cyclists just totally ignoring the rules of the road. So what about more enforcement? Well, I mean, this is a challenge for us because, of course, as you know from other discussions of other issues, which may come up in our chat today, um, you know, the police are, we've got them very much focused on making sure the city stays safe. Um, And and there's only so many police officers and there's only so many things they can do. So um, we are are looking to deploy this summer on a test basis. And I say a test because we're testing three different kinds of technology, uh, photo radar in school zones, which will be a much more effective and efficient way to enforce speed limits in school zones only school zones, uh, because right now, even with the number of police officers who are assigned to that, you can only cover out of 600 school zones, you're able to cover a handful on a day, whereas photo radar will give us much more ability to enforce the law in those areas where I think we would care the most. I mean, not that we don't care everywhere, but, you know, children in particular, we want to remain safe. So we're going to be moving to more of the automated enforcement. We are dramatically increasing the deployment of red light cameras, which are used to Again, ensure that people, car drivers, are using intersections safely, which is really something that is going to be uh, to the benefit of pedestrians, especially seniors and other pedestrians and cyclists, because, again, the problem there was often with drivers who were using uh, aggressive tactics in dealing with lights that had turned red. So um, we are using technology as probably the single biggest increase in enforcement, both through photo radar and red light cameras, which I think most people heartily approve of when it comes to safety of kids and safety of uh, intersections. Okay, so we were talking about enforcement. Uh, Obviously, that involves police. So we've had a spate of gun violence. A lot of people just don't feel safe. And uh, a thing that a lot of people have noticed is that it seems to have migrated. It used to be in certain areas of the city, usually, and now it's everywhere. It's downtown in the places where a lot of people go. And I know that uh, you added some officers in. Uh, for those shifts where this usually happens. But, you know, frankly, people still really don't feel safe. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I'll say respectfully to you that I think, um, you know, when you say people generally don't feel safe, I don't so, think that's actually true. In the okay, city of some people the don't fact, feel the safe. The facts are, yeah, some people don't. And I, I understand that because when these kinds of spikes up occur in the uh, gun violence, uh, people get worried about that, including me. And so we're taking steps. Uh, and, and the one thing you mentioned, which we are doing, is we have uh, put on a, a sort of a blitz, I'll call it, to make sure that we have the presence of what amounts to 200 uh, additional police officers, uh, especially in the nighttime hours, especially uh, allocated to areas of the city to keep them safe that may have uh, some uh, challenge in that regard. Uh, But also what we're doing at the same time is actually spending even more money, because that costs money to have the officers deployed there. But we're also 
uh, spending money on investments in some of the communities where, you know, if kids are not given the positive kind of opportunity to do some things to keep them on the right track, they might be tempted to get involved in some of this gang activity because I think as your listeners will have heard, and it's just a fact, uh, you know, somewhere well north of 75% of all of these shootings that they hear about are gang-related. And that does still mean in the city of Toronto, I'm not saying it makes it better or, or makes it acceptable, but that means that the gang activity is confined as well to um, a, a really a really limited number of neighborhoods. And as you point out, a couple of the recent uh, killings have taken place outside of those areas. Um, and, and that has uh, obviously, um, you know, raised even further the level of concern just because you don't want any of this to spread. You want to get rid of it altogether, but you don't want it to spread to uh, wider parts of the city. So uh, I will just say to people that we're making a very substantial commitment with the full support, I might add, of both the federal and provincial governments uh, who have both indicated a willingness to step up and help us with these investments in policing, uh, but also in investment in community programs for kids and families. Because if we don't get at, um, you know, what is driving this uh, in these neighborhoods and make sure we invest in supporting uh, families and neighborhoods so that they can keep kids away from the gang activity, then we will have a longer term problem. What about this war of words between you and Mike McCormick? Uh, he, no, ma- no matter what you're doing, he says the problem still is that there aren't enough officers. You've said he's unhelpful. It seems to be an ongoing feud. Yeah, well, you haven't noticed much of it recently because I, I, I only sort of respond when provoked, quite frankly. And, and uh, you know, he sort of said that I was not committed to a safe city, uh, which I found to be a, a, you know, sort of unreasonable statement, to say the least. Um, and he's suggested the, an- the answer to it is, hundred- literally to use his words, hundreds of more police officers. And, you know, it's interesting because there was a day not that long ago when we had hundreds of more police officers and the murder rate was higher than it is today. I mean, this remains, Libby, and I know some people, including some of your listeners, get aggravated when I repeat the fact. This is still the safest big city in North America. It is the fourth safest city in the whole world. The challenge in front of us isn't that we've lost that status. The challenge is to make sure it stays that way. And so that's why you want to preferably get this gang violence and other kinds of things like that down. And the numbers this year are not dramatically different than they were the last two or three years. It came in spikes, though, and some of the particular incidents that you alluded to um, caused concern for me and for other people. But um, you know, I, so I, I'm not engaged in a war of words with anybody. My focus is just on making sure the city stays safe and that we take all the steps, including augmented policing resources and uh, augmented community investments uh, in, into kids and families and neighborhoods. Uh, and we're doing both. And I'm optimistic that it's going to have a positive impact uh, on the city, which is the idea. And it doesn't really matter who says what. Uh, I try to stay away from that stuff because it just doesn't really achieve much. And uh, finally, um, any uh progress on what to do with the asylum seekers who have to move out of those dorms. The federal government yesterday said it's having emergency sessions. It'll deal with you directly. Uh, Any word on that? Yes. uh, The news was even better than that yesterday. What they said yesterday was, yes, they would deal with us directly in terms of giving us some money. And they said there's more to come. They've got an initial tranche of, I think, $11 million. We've set our cost to date as a city are $64.5 million. Um, So they've said there's more to come. But secondly, and I think even 
more importantly in a way than money, because money is money, but um, it is that they have indicated they are going to take steps to find sites to house these people, because as you and your listeners know, uh, the places where many of them are resident now, and a lot of them are families, half of them are children, um, is in college dormitories, which we took uh, back in the spring on the basis that we'd have to give them up on August the 8th when the students come back. So the federal government, uh, I think the most important thing they said yesterday beyond agreeing to help us with money was to say they were going to help us as well because they've identified some locations where those people can be housed, uh, the refugees and asylum claimants, uh, both in terms of additional Anything hotels. Anything specific? Any... No, they've indicated some hotels in the area. And I should say, people, uh, you know, I, I wish we had more time to, to, I could give you a much more fulsome explanation of this, but a lot of these, these are families and they, they're most eager to work. They have a, a terrific track record over the last couple of years of getting out into private housing quickly because they want to work and because they are eager to find housing. And so they live well in hotels on a temporary basis. And so one of the things we've been doing to house them is at some cost to the taxpayers is housing them in hotels. And so the federal government is going to take some responsibility for that in addition to some other sites that they're going to identify that are in their own portfolio. But I'm just glad they've stepped up and taken some responsibility because as I pointed out earlier on, uh, their responsibility as the government of Canada does not end when they let people across the border. It just begins. And so they're helping us and I'm gratified about that and and I welcome that and I commend them for that uh, and uh, we're looking forward to having even more help as we go forward. Okay, uh, we're out of time. Uh, Mayor Tory. thanks so much for being with us and we'll have to catch up with you again soon. Anytime. It's my pleasure, Libby. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today and we now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.